This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to How Gen Y Buy. Each week, we speak to everyday Australians to discover the unique ways in which they are entering the property market. Learn how Gen Y are beating the odds and getting their foot on the property ladder with your host, Nathan Smith, the Managing Director and Mortgage Broker at Birdie Wealth. Welcome back to another episode of How Gen Y Buy. I'm your host, Nathan Smith. Today, I've headed down the south coast to Kiama to meet up with a couple who have decided to leave the Sydney market, head out and take the sea chain down the coast. Welcome to the show, Kurt and Amy. Hi, Nate. Thanks for coming in. We're in your nice little house here, tucked away in one of the back rooms while the kids are out playing. You've certainly turned on the weather and uh, shown potentially why you've headed down here. Mm-hmm. All yeah. about that South Coast lifestyle. <laughs> so how long have you been down here for? So it's bought- been um, a bit of a back and forth. We brought, I think, three years ago, and we had a big plan to not move here for five years. And then we found that we were coming to Kayama every single weekend just to enjoy the lifestyle. And we were driving past our property that someone else was lucky enough to be living in. And um, in the end, we said, what are we doing? Let's um, speed up that five-year plan and just bite the bullet and move it. So to uh, go back to the very start, we're going to start with Kurt's story initially. So he first purchased a property in the Sydney market a unit there to live in, and now he's made the move down the coast. So why did you get into property? Uh, I think for me, really, it was, I guess, right timing and something that I wanted to do. I always wanted, like, the idea of having my own house. I'm quite handy, and um, for me, the unit was a step in the right direction towards a house because I wasn't able to afford a house in the Sydney market. So, um, and even with the unit at the time, it was quite a stretch for me. Um, I had to make some lifestyle changes that involved me deciding not to go overseas when a lot of my mates were uh, traveling and just sort of taking away those unnecessary extras like late night nightclub drinks and uh, getting to bed a bit earlier and doing a little bit extra work on the weekends here and there. And it was tough for the first little bit, and but yeah, really glad that I did it because it set me up really well long term. Yeah, I find a lot of it's just getting into the rhythm too, isn't it? Just adjusting and making those first few payments. And then once you start to see the new structure and the way the bills are coming out, you adjust your lifestyle accordingly. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you, uh, once you've set up your direct debit or whatever, you don't notice the money. You know, it's, you, you use what you've got. And, um, yeah, just live within your means. Probably wonder what you did with it all that time, where it disappeared to. It just... Well, I know exactly what I did with <laughs> yeah. it. It's all in yeah. the uh, <laughs> in pubs or, yep. Yep. <laughs> or clubs Absolutely. before that. So much better investment. So you made the decision to buy a property. What was your first steps in getting some education? Like many people, I guess I really didn't know where to start and it was all a bit daunting. And, um, yeah, fortunately, that's where you came in, I guess, Nathan, just... Uh, came to you for mortgage advice and all of a sudden it wasn't so daunting. It was pretty easy actually. And I think really walking away from that first one, I was like, why didn't I do this three or four or five years earlier? Yeah. Um, and yeah, just understanding the way it works, but realizing that you don't have to do it all, that there's a, you know, professionals around that help you every step of the way. And 
Um, I didn't need to know. I just needed to know what I needed. And, um, yeah, you were there to help me with the rest. Yeah, no, quite often I hear people say that they don't think they're ready to speak to a broker or they're not in a position to do it. I guess from my point of view, the earlier that we're in contact with somebody, the earlier we can start to get a plan, a strategy in place, the better. Uh, there's certain things that can be changed and amended to make that purchase of a property comes sooner if we can't get in contact earlier. So, yeah, that's advice is get in front of a professional, meet up with them, have a chat and see what your position is. So, you've sat down, we've had a look at your borrowing capacity, you've worked out what your price point is in that market and then it was off to open homes. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, one of those classic ones, looked at a bunch of places and I would always say don't get upset or overly fixated on a place or be too disappointed. It's a pretty tricky market in Sydney. So I saw a few places and they were all getting snapped up pretty quick. And at the time, the uh, first home buyers grant was winding up or one of them was winding up. And so there was a real push for a lot of people to to get in quick. And, you know, in the scheme of things, an extra $10,000 on a house in Sydney is nothing yeah. Um, so don't feel forced to make a rash decision because of what's happening in the market or, you know, what other people are doing around you. I think just make sure that the place is right for you and, yeah, act accordingly. Yeah, I think you're right. It's about focusing on running your own race, spending your own budget, not getting caught up in the hype or what other people are spending. Uh, just stick to your plan and, and what you're prepared to pay. Go from there. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because I want to focus on the purchase down here in Kiama. So... By that stage, you've now met Amy. Yeah. Hiking in the back of Tasmania somewhere. <laughs> we won't go too much into a love story here. That's, a, that's for the next podcast, I guess. We'll do love stories. So you've met, you've um, been together for a while. There's a decision now made to buy a property. Mm. Where have you gone with that discussion? Well, I, um, at the time that Kurt and I met, owned a apartment in Bondi. Um, which I brought after moving here from London and had made a decision before meeting Kurt to um, sell that property. And so we actually hadn't been together very long at all, <laughs> had we maybe three months when we yeah. decided to buy together. Um, and so I decided to sell my place in Bondi. And I think very casually mentioned to Kurt one weekend, oh, why don't I buy a place in Kayama? Right. And, and he said, why don't we buy a place together? Right. <laughs> and it really was that much of a casual, um, easy conversation. Um, and then we started looking with this very slow, there's no rush. We want to wait until we find the perfect place. There was no pressure on us because we both already had a roof over our heads. Mm. Um, and so we just started leisurely going to book um, to viewings down here. Is there more emotion, do you think, buying this this property as opposed to your first ones because it was more a longer term? I think the same. I think any time you make a, a big commitment like that. But what I would say with this property, I guess that was it's sort of our, our future really mm. together. So, yeah, probably the emotional side of being in a couple rather than being in a single, it was a very different situation. The criteria perhaps is I a think, bit longer. <laughs> I think the criteria is very different. Definitely for my first property – I was looking for eight to something I could afford. You know, realistically, you might want four bedrooms and a garden, but that's probably not going to happen for your first property unless you're in a lucky situation to have an inheritance or just a fa fantastically well-paid job. Um, so with my first property, I just wanted a good investment. One bedroom, I think I had one and a half bedrooms, but the half bedroom was really a cupboard. Yeah. 
Um, but with the, this property, we wanted rooms for children. We wanted a garden. And more than anything, we wanted a lifestyle. We had both spent, I think, five or six years before meeting each other working our butts off, just working six or seven days a week, 10, 12-hour days. And um, part of buying here was to buy work-life balance and everything that came with that. So it was a conscious change to make that sleepy town move and yes. adopt some of that lifestyle that comes with it. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we were buying, like way more than just a property. We were buying a new life. Yeah. So what did you know about Kayama and the area that you bought in prior to looking down here? Well, fortunately for me, Kayama was sort of a second home growing up, so was very familiar with the area. Um, and, I mean, the thing that we're really pleasantly surprised at was bringing, I guess, Sydney money, as I call it, like being used to the Sydney market and coming down here, everything was so much more slow-paced. It wasn't properties being snapped up in a wink. And I remember being really cautious when I was trying to close, when we were trying to close the deal on this because I was like, oh, you know, I really want to get the signed contract down and I can drive down today and do it. And the uh, real estate agent was like, oh, no, no, no worries. We'll just see you when, when we see you. And coming from Sydney where there was that real, uh, you know, you had to watch out, you might get gazumped. And down here, it just wasn't a thing. It was a, a handshake or a verbal deal. And, you know, that's, that's our word and that's our bond. And it was, yeah, nice. And a great thing to be moving into. <laughs> yeah, I guess the longer I've been a broker now, the more conscious I am of the fact that different markets do their exchanges slightly different. And uh, quite often along the south coast in Illawarra, it is just done on a handshake or a verbal to say, no, we've, we've, we've agreed we'll hold the property for you mm. and get down here when you can, where the Sydney market's very different. If it's not in writing, it, nothing counts. So, And we had, um, we had also done our research into the rental market here, which was a super would be my advice to people. Um, we were lucky that Kurt's family members have had rental properties in Kayama for years and from their experience had never had any issues um, from renting it out over the course of you know eight years probably. Um, and we spoke to other people who also had rental properties here and said we've never had problems renting it out because that was part of our plan. We brought here and then we went traveling to South America for four months. And we always wanted ideally to be able to rent here out whilst we traveled. And we were very lucky to be able to do so. And our rental income covered our mortgage whilst we were traveling across Bolivia and Peru, where the cost of living is practically nothing. Um, so we were able to travel and make money whilst traveling because of this purchase. Well, the last thing you want, I guess, if you were over in the back of Peru somewhere is trying to find a new tenant for your property in Kayama. <laughs> well, funnily enough, we had that. We actually Did had um, someone who'd moved into our rental and then because of a change in work had to break a contract and move out. And luckily we had really good um, rental management in Kayama who just completely replaced them, got a new tenant in, sent us an email we didn't even know we were in the back end of Bolivia and it was all sorted out for us. Now the, the financing process on your second purchase compared to your first process you've gone through it now before did you feel a lot more comfortable understanding what was next and what was happening or is it still quite daunting? Yeah I think it is always a little bit daunting because it is it is new and it's not my area of expertise you know i'm an environmental consultant so you know ask me about that no dramas but coming to rental on property and you know the steps in purchasing a house um a bit out of my comfort zone so but 
I think really exciting though is is what I would say and take that along with some of the minor stress. But uh, yeah, I think the difference was buying my first property was uh, strata entitlement. So quite different in that regard, I guess, that a few little bits and bobs to think about like building inspections and that kind of thing that generally were sort of just a bit more covered um, on the strata side of things. But yeah, I think it's just one more step of due diligence to do to have a building inspection done or something similar to make sure that you are, I guess, getting what you think you're getting and that you're not inheriting somebody else's problem. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I had a very different experience with the first broker that I went to when I was buying my first property and with you, Nate. I think when I definitely won't name names, but I went to quite a high profile celebrity broker. Right. The first time round, and I just felt he definitely didn't want to know anything about me personally in my situation. He was happy to look over the numbers, looked at my salary, looked at my income, crunched them all, and said, this is what you can get. But he definitely didn't take time to find out about what my plans for the future were, or the property, or how I saw my life being, and my motives behind buying. Whereas I felt that coming to you, that was something that you were really interested in. And I think when I bought my first property, it worked out, but I wasn't very educated around the process at all. I really didn't know what I was buying into or how the figure that I could borrow, how they'd come to that figure. I was just like, great, I can spend that much in a house. I had no understanding of it at all. Yeah. And my second time around buying here was very different. Yeah. I think, look, for me, that's certainly important. And that, that's what I try and stress as a point of difference with me. It doesn't sound like a, a big point of difference, but it's just you, you do have to consistently have that understanding that people don't buy a property very often. They, they do it once every five years, once every 10 years, they buy a property. A lot of them are doing it for the very first time and, and it's a big step and, and I always think back to when I was on the other side and I was buying my property, how I felt. And even being in the industry, I remember it being a stressful time. I remember being confused as to who do I contact, when do I contact them and what to do. So I guess it's just having that as front of mind and and uh, thinking about what we have to do next. So you bought the property, you decided to rent that out and you kept Kurt, your property up in Guymere, up in Sydney. You've kept that property was there discussion about whether to keep that property or to sell that property? We sort of did have that discussion and I think for us, I was living in that property when I met Amy and Amy lived there with me. It was really sort of the start of our relationship. So to a degree, there's a fair bit of emotional attachment to that property. And also the Sydney market being a hard one to get into and also quite a strong market, we really wanted to try and hold on to that and I guess use that as leverage to, to have this place as well, which... Um, which worked in our favour. And I think from um, buying and then selling my place in Bondi, I had seen the kind of profit you can make in a very short space of time from having a property in Sydney and mm. or near the city. Um, and so I was aware that even if we could keep the Kurt's original property for another one or two years, then that would be a big advantage to us. So I don't think we've actually ever sat down and talked about a long-term plan for that property and how long we hope to hold on to it. I think we're just going to assess our financial situation as the years go on and hopefully we can keep it. I would love to because I think it's something that I feel very proud of Kurt for buying that on his own 
um, at a young age in the first place. And so I would really love for us to be able to keep both properties. Yeah, I mean, it's if if you are in a position to do it, and I've had the discussion with couples and the decision has been made both ways, and it's funny, it quite naturally comes out when you start to look at somebody's timeline and what's coming up and what they want to do next and, and changes to lifestyle and family dynamics. The, the story can tend to write itself, and with your one, it tended to do that too. Um, but, yeah, the, the advantage of keeping it is that they're – it can be sold when it can be sold. Anything that's mm. there, any equity or any profit that comes out of it, it's just a bonus for you. You're coping quite comfortably at the moment with this property. Um, so you've got that there as just a, a fallback almost, a rainy day fund. Absolutely. And, I mean, the, the other thing is too, I sort of think pretty far in, in the future as well, but if for any reason we ever, ever had medical issues, you know, having the ability to move back to Sydney into a place that's familiar and close or likewise, as we have children and they grow up, if they, you know, need to work in the Sydney job market, then they've got options there where they could, um, yeah, rent up there and have a bit more stability and know that they're not going to be renting somewhere for six months and then have to move out and, you know, keep skipping yeah. to different places. So what's next for you guys? Oh, a patch of land somewhere is our dream. In case of um, the zombie apocalypse. Absolutely. <laughs> so Kurt is very handy and is lucky to have skills. <laughs> I don't have very practical skills, but that's fine. Um, I'll just style style it up. <laughs> You're learning. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we would love to buy a patch of land. Not not particularly as an amazing investment because um, it might not even have a property on, but as somewhere that we could create a sort of sustainable getaway for us and our family and friends to go to so maybe a, a composting toilet and a few trailers and some teepees and somewhere that um further out from the city again that um our loved ones could go and enjoy and spend time in nature which is something that's super important to us yeah yeah so that's our next long-term goal but who knows how far in the future that will be yeah a little bit trickier that one with yeah. uh, borrowing <laughs> capacity for uh Big patch of yeah. bush. <laughs> so again, it's, but we, we've spoken a bit about this, but the difficulty then with looking at that is just the advantage when you buy a property that's got a, a, a house on it is the fact that you've got that rental income to help support you as the property yeah. did when you were overseas. You had that rental support to help prop up your um, repayment on it. But buying the land, that difficulty like we've spoken about is the fact that you've, you're committed to the full repayment. It's almost a second mortgage on on your home like mm. you've got yeah. here. Yeah. Now, the the last sort of thing I want to talk about is just looking at, uh, and again, this is probably where Amy might come in with a bit of insight, is what uh, what do you remember about what the media was talking about as you were making different property purchases? Was it mm. all positive? Was it negative? No, it was very negative. And I think it probably, I think in terms of the job market and the property market, I think our age group have graduated, so to speak, into an era where there's a lot of negative self-talk about both of those things. So we're told it's very hard to get a job, it's very hard to get a property, it's very doom and gloom, almost you may as well just give up and not try. And um, I come from London where that, that voice is even louder than over here. Absolutely. I mean, in comparison here is... It's very almost easy, easy it? compared yeah. to London. And a lot of my British friends just don't even consider buying a property they're just saying we're just going to rent forever because that's the only way. And I think myself particularly, I was very eager to kind of prove that wrong and just to find a way, not in an idealistic 
oh, I can do anything I want, I can buy properties sort of way. But just very practical, finding a way to make it work for myself when I was single and then for me and Kurt as a married couple with now a baby, um, finding a way to make it work. And that can mean compromise, Mm. which is something we talk about a lot. Um, Just finding a way that you can make it work for you, even if it means compromising on the dream in your head. Yeah, I think the the difficulty with the with reading headlines and reading what's happening with property is that there can only be two stories in the property market. It can either be the bubble's about to burst or that we're going through a huge boom and property prices are screaming. So if somebody wrote a headline that the property market's doing okay, probably wouldn't get picked up. It's not a very attractive story. <laughs> it's not going to sell yeah. papers. So. I mean, I've worked in media for a decade. Um, and I know the lemming effect of how powerful the press is in changing public opinion. And even not even um, the media, but how your friendship group conversations. I think I was talking to you about this the other day, Nay, and how I see in clusters of friendship groups, if one person buys, suddenly other people are like, wow, you bought, maybe I can buy. And we saw this when we bought our second property. Some of our friends said, how did you do it? Maybe that's something we could do. Whereas on the flip side, if someone in a group is saying, oh, I'm never going to be able to buy, I'm going to rent forever, then everybody else adopts that mindset. Um, and it's a powerful and quite dangerous thing. And um, I think we can kind of either exp- inspire each other to get out there and see if it's possible, or we can definitely drag each other down. And we have to be really wary of that. Absolutely. Yeah, I see that all the time. Uh particularly where, where somebody in the in their group of friends makes that first purchase. They get in and make the first purchase, and then the door opens up. I start to see their friends coming through saying, well, someone's bought the property. I'd love to do what they were able to do. How did they do it? And, yeah, it's just absolutely they see that positive influence and they, they run off the back of that. And I guess that's part of what this podcast is about to to is uh, just showing people that there are people out there exactly like them who are getting into the property market and, and what are they doing it's different and, and generally um, the, the case is not too much different. They're just uh, potentially saving a little bit more and, and putting their heads down and then getting some advice on it. So thanks very much for coming in today. Really appreciate your story and telling telling me how you got into the market and why you've decided to make that sea change as opposed to staying in the rat race, I guess. Mm. Uh, for those who are listening, we're up to podcast number three now. If you have taken something away from this or really enjoyed it, I'd love for you to subscribe and also give a rating. So I'll have some stuff up on the Facebook page on how to go about doing that. Um, If there's anyone else you know who is looking at buying property and could feed off this advice, please feel free to share it around as well. Last thing before we go, I'll start with you, Amy. What is that one piece of advice you've got for first-time buyers out there? Um, I think it's really just be willing to think outside the box and that can mean thinking outside the city. Um, There really is a wonderful way of life if you can head south and with job flexibility and remote working, um, it might be more possible than you think. Perfect. Okay. I think my big takeaway from this is, you know, you don't have to live in the first property you buy as well. And sometimes coming from the Sydney market, if you're not able to buy in Sydney, but you want to buy, buy somewhere else. You can still maintain your lifestyle. You can rent and live in Sydney, but you know that you've got a property there that's um, 
ticking over and creating your wealth and probably far more than you would get in a if your money's sitting in the bank. Perfect. Two good bits of advice. Maybe look beyond the Sydney market if affordability is an issue. There's plenty of other places that provide a good lifestyle or a good investment property. So combination of both. It's been another episode of How Gen Y Buy. We'll see you back in a fortnight. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.